0: In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And at the apex of that creation, as we heard last week, was humanity. And very quickly, humanity chose to go off on its own, disobeying the God who lovingly created humanity. And in that fallenness, in that brokenness, we would expect that God distanced himself gave up moved out left them alone but he didn't God pursued humanity and the story continues in Genesis as God took Noah and his family and some animals and had a whole brand new start but then that went bad again and so God took Abraham and his family and started to develop a relationship that would sweep through all of biblical history and even catch us up in the midst of it. This is the marvelous plan of God. And by Genesis 12, we're just starting the book. We're starting our reading of the Old Testament. By Genesis 12, we have the main components of of the biblical story all set up. We have a good creation. We have things going bad through human choice. And then we have God pursuing to bring as much good out of the bad as possible. He's restoring, he's redeeming, he's rescuing his fallen, broken creation. And we get caught up in that story. It's like this grid becomes... Uh, the cover of a puzzle, Deborah and I have been working on puzzles through the holidays, and that cover becomes the, the the big picture that allows us to take every little piece and try to figure out just where it goes and so when we see the sweep of the biblical story, we get some idea where every little paragraph or every little story might fit, and so we come today to this understanding that God, even today, is still in this process of redeeming, rescuing, restoring his fallen, broken creation. He's not given up. He wants to relate to us. He's a God who created everything, but he didn't just abandon it when it went bad. He's sticking with it. He wants to bring it to the very conclusion he's indicated at the end of the book, and that is the fullness of glory, a new heaven, and a new earth. So the story we're at today, in the midst of our reading of Genesis, I'd like to put in Genesis 12 and see the start of the promise that God gave to Abraham, to watch it snowball through the pages of Genesis, even some generations in the book of Gen- in Genesis. But then to allow that, that snowball to take us right through Scripture, even to our own lives today. Because I'm, I'm here to tell you, uh, should you snooze off for the next few minutes, that we're caught up in that promise. This promise is for us too. So I would like you to take the Pew Bible, if you have it handy, I say especially a pew Bible, I'll mention page numbers, because I'd like you to see, although I've given you references in your in your uh, bulletin, you've got the references, I'd like you to look at it, and I'm just going to survey some of these wonderful texts where God speaks about this promise to Abraham. I wish there were red letter editions of the Old Testament. We'd be able to see God's words out bold, and they come right at the beginning of chapter 12, it's on page 8, where God makes these wonderful promises of I will bless you, and you'll be a blessing. I'll make your name great. You'll be a great nation. I'm going to give a land to your offspring. And really, Abraham is asked to really just get up and go and to take God at his word, but that's an important component. And what's great in the reading we had is that Everywhere Abram goes, he sets up an altar. He's he's ready to worship this God who's come out of nowhere in his life and promised some amazing promises. I say amazing because uh, this man's a nomad and he's being promised land of his own. This man is childless and he's being promised offspring. So already the story is full of tension and wonder how's this going to happen? That's Genesis 12. Genesis 13, at the end, on the next page, verse 14, the Lord speaks to Abram again. And here, things really get pushed out because now the land is as far as you can see in every direction. And the offspring is like the dust of the earth. I don't know about your house, but if if it's like the dust even of my home, there's a big family plan for Abram. And notice the word at the end of verse 15, forever. All of a sudden, this promise is not, is not limited to just a few square feet and one son and just for a lifetime. This is pushed out to extreme ends. Go with me to chapter 15 on page 10 the Lord speaks to Abram again and still Abram is childless but look at verse 5 now God says look toward heaven count the stars you want to know how many kids you're gonna have look at the stars but the remarkable thing in verse 6 is Abram believed the Lord and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness look at verse 18 On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram it's the first time that word covenant comes up it's been a promise we've seen that clearly all of a sudden it's covenant covenant was a word used for international treaties was used for national constitutions it was used for business contracts but when God uses it for his people and Abram it's more like a marriage vow it's a binding Covenant of love, commitment to love Abram and his family forever. And so the, the word covenant is used. And again, there's descendants described who are going to get the land. Now the land is defined from the Nile to the Euphrates. We get some idea of the span of the land that God intends for his people. Jump to chapter 17. We're still surveying. Stay with me. In verse 1, God says, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you. Now, now God calls it his covenant. And my covenant gets repeated a number of times in this chapter as God blesses Abram and his seed and gives them a the land. He starts referring to them in verse 6: I will make nations of you. And kings shall come from you. All of a sudden we realize, wow, this isn't just an ordinary family. This is going to be a royal family. And nations will come from him. Look at verse 9. God said to Abram, as for you, you shall keep my covenant. You and your offspring after you throughout the generations. If you go all the way to verse 19 on the next page, page 12. Sarah's going to bear you a son and you shall name him Isaac. Now it's getting specific. There's a son coming with a specific name, and God's going to have his covenant established in him. Chapter 18, same page, verse 17, God is speaking about the promise. And in verse 19, he says, I've chosen him, speaking of Abraham, he may, that he may charge his children and his household after him, to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Jump to chapter 22. This is the great test that Abram faces. Maybe you read it this week. And at the end of that test, on page 16, verse 15, the angel of the Lord speaks to him and says, Uh, Because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will indeed bless you. And at the end of verse 18, because you have obeyed my voice. But I also notice in here uh, his offspring is going to be like the sand. So we've gone from dust to stars to sand, whichever image God uses. There's a lot of offspring in the works here. Leaving chapter 22 and jumping to 26, chapter 26, verse 2, we find that God is passing this promise on to Isaac, Abraham's son. And there's one dimension that's added to this. Look at verse 3. God says, reside in this land as an alien, and I will be with you. There's one of the great promises of Scripture and it shows up here to Isaac. I will be with you. And then verse 5, because Abram obeyed my voice, kept my charge. If you go to chapter 28, on page 22, the promise gets passed to Jacob. In verse 13, The Lord stood beside Jacob and said I am the Lord the God of Abram your father and the God of Isaac more directly your father and again he says in verse 15 know that I am with you I will keep you wherever you go that with you part of the promise gets confirmed in the rest of Genesis even with Joseph's life we find that one of the the themes or refrains in that Joseph story that I trust you'll be reading this week if you're going along with us in the community Bible uh, reading experience. Um, The Joseph story has this chorus of the Lord was with Joseph. And that's an indication of the the blessing, the promise, the covenant God had made with Abraham is getting passed on through the generations. It goes right into Exodus. We'll be reading there in in a little bit. When Moses receives this promise renewed, It crashes into the Samuels with with King David receiving this promise. It's reiterated in the prophets. It's fulfilled when Jesus comes. It's everything the church has longed for to enter into the blessings. And in fact, that's exactly what the Apostle Paul said about Abram's blessings. Therefore, the whole church, he says at the end of Galatians 3, if you belong to Christ... Here it is. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abram's offspring, heirs of the promise. Do you realize that? That if you belong to Christ, then you are Abram's offspring. All those promises are yours. We are heirs of that promise. That's where I would like to sit for the moments that remain is just to think with you a little bit of how does this give us some hint of how God relates to us today you see I believe God relates to us much as he did to Abraham he comes first of all with promises he comes with an initiative that God takes on his own not because we deserve it but just out of his gracious unconditional love God comes and starts making promises. He makes promises to us in Christ that are way beyond what Abraham could have imagined. He makes promises of the forgiveness of sins, a right relationship with God, being at peace with him, promises of of a rich, full, eternal life, a promise of the Spirit to come and dwell within and never to be left, leaving us alone. These promises are, are the very promise that Abram was just getting hints of and have come to fullness in Christ and in His spirit are made available to you and me. God, the, the loving, gracious God who created all, wants to relate to us, and the way he does it is He comes with promises. And he lays them out before us, the God of promise. But I believe much as he related to Abraham, he's looking for our loving response, too. He's he's stated his wedding vows, and now he's wondering if there's going to be an exchange from you and me. Are we going to enter those promises? Are we going to keep those promises? Are we going to believe him, take him at his word? I mean, can I give you proof that my sins have been forgiven? I, I just have to trust that what God said he he meant and he can carry through with his promise. And so he's looking for faith from us. He's looking for obedience, just as Abram had to get up and go. He's looking for that. He's looking for us to enter the promise, to claim it, to stand on it, to keep it, to treasure it, to pass it on to the next generation. He's looking for us to participate in this, He wants it to be a relationship. Can it be a relationship if it's all God? Or, on the other hand, if it's all us just striving to do it? No. It's it's promises coming first from a loving, gracious God to those who don't deserve it. And then it's those who don't deserve it being willing to, to take it as a free gift. That's the way the New Testament speaks of our salvation in Christ is a free gift offered by a gracious God that we receive by faith and and participate in through faithful obedience to him. And it's an active faith. It's a responsible faith. All the commands of the New Testament are there to remind us it's just not God promising and doing it all. No, we have to engage him just like Abraham did be involved with him in this life. He wants a relationship. But here's the hopeful thing. Even when we fail at our part, and I think you already know we do, all of us do, even when we fail at our part in this covenant, God is faithful. He does not fail. When you read these stories of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Leah. As you read these stories, you might be surprised to realize wow, these are just ordinary people. They have bad days. They make mistakes. They sin. Wow, they blew it there. What's God thinking? Why did He choose them? Kind of losers at times. And just about the time we we're coming to that conclusion, we realize that God's Word is like a mirror. And Oh, we're seeing ourselves in those pages. We're realizing that we have our bad days, that we're weak, that we sin, that we've fallen short, we've failed. And now all of a sudden, we're kind of glad that God stuck with them because we want God to stick with us. He's faithful. You see, our relationship with God, bottom line, doesn't depend or rest on us. What we do, don't do. Our relationship with God is first, foundationally, and forever based on his faithfulness, not on ours. That's the good news. That doesn't excuse us from our unfaithfulness, but it reminds us that even even when we're unfaithful, God remains faithful. God is the one who wants to relate. To us and be in a relationship with us and so you see this pattern throughout all of scripture I do God comes with free undeserved promises wants us to take them and enter relationship with him and then to be quick to recognize even with all our responsibilities that he gives us it really falls back on his faithfulness time and time again his forgiveness And so as we relate to him, let's come with faith. Let's come with obedience. Let's come with a sense of worship and love. Let's come with a recognition that we fall short, a confession and an acceptance of God's forgiveness. Let's come with a sense that he really is our God and wants to be more than just our creator, but our redeemer, the one who relates to us ongoing in our lives. He's the one who forgives. He's the one who loves. He's the one who is our God. That's right. God, I'm so grateful that my relationship with you rests in your promises and in your faithfulness, especially in Jesus Christ, our living Lord. Thank you for this family of faith and for each person here. I pray that we might enter the wonderful relationship that you've offered to each one of us and that we might do it today if we've never done it before, maybe renew it even as we read these wonderful stories. Thankfully, we pray this in Christ's name.